Hey folks, Pastor here. Hope you're having a great day. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Uh, hope that we'd be able to get more folks to be able to go with us. Uh, next time we go to Israel, you get to see sites like this right behind me. It's uh, just a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience. Uh, looking forward to being back with you soon. God bless you. That's it. Okay. Amen. <clears throat> well, I sure hope they can get home. <laughs> I mean, I caught a little bit on Fox News this morning. Planes coming in from out of the country. People coming through immigration. Up to six-hour wait. I'm glad I'm here in Williamstown. Thank God for his goodness. <laughs> But they are having a great time, and we rejoice in that and thank the Lord for that and pray for their safety coming home and this sort of thing. This morning, I'm going to preach on the subject, what to do when you're at your wit's end. Turn to Psalm 107 with me, if you would, please. Sheila Brim, how are you? Well, not Brim anymore. How are you doing? You can't kiss me this morning. All right. A few, few weeks later. All right. Okay. Would you stand with me, please? And, and, and Betty, you can't hug me today. No, you can't. I know that's ruined her Sunday. Okay, it just has to. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Psalm 107, beginning of verse number 23. Psalm 107, verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters... These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven. They go down into the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh, them, he maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of elders. Father, make this a profitable time around your word. These are dear and precious folks. And I thank you for the privilege of being able to preach here today once again. What a dear and precious church this is. What a strong testimony it's had over many, many years. We pray that you continue to bless it that way. Bless each one that's here today. Bless those that may be looking at this service through other means, and we'll thank you for it. Help us to be a blessing now as we share the word of God. I pray that you would save that one that's nearest hell today, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Fine, thank you. You may be seated. Now, to fill some of you folks in that uh, don't know me, and there's a number of you here this morning that don't know me, my wife, oh, by the way, mentioning my wife, she could not be here today. <clears throat> she has some health issues that would not allow her be in a large group uh, and uh, this sort of thing. So appreciate if you'd be praying for her. 
Um, and it really was a better part of wisdom for her not to be here. If, if things weren't going on or all around us that are going on, she would have been here. But uh, it's not possible today. But uh, we have been down for the last few number of years down in Port Norris, which is about an hour south of here, ministering to some of the most gracious and kind and loving people you'd ever want to meet in your life. They are just dear people. And, you know, after we retired from here, I, I really wanted to help small churches. The church knew that over the years. I would tell them when I retired, um, I wanted to help small churches. And the Lord's given us that opportunity in Port Norris. And it runs about 40, 45 folks. So when we first started, it ran about 20 to 25 people. So we thank the Lord for the increase. And we thank the Lord for the opportunity. And at uh, almost 77 years of age, to be able to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> after you hear me today, you might say, he can't preach. I don't know what you're going to say, all right? But uh, I just thank the Lord for the opportunity. Here we see a picture of <clears throat> some men in a ship. They're out on the sea. Trouble arises. Sooner or later, they would come to their wit's end. In fact, verse number 27 says, and they were at their wit's end. These were experienced fishermen. <clears throat> These weren't novices. Now, if I had been caught in that situation, I don't know, I'd have probably jumped in the ocean and said, take me. That's it. I'm not going to put up with it. But because I'm not a fisherman and I, and I don't, I get seasick in the shower. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So what I'm simply saying to you is, if I got caught in that kind of situation, I would be in trouble. Here they are, experienced men. And I want you to notice something. The Bible says that, that he, the Lord, the Lord, they, they go down, for he commandeth and raises the stormy wind. For he, those that go out in the ocean, they get to see the, the great hand of God. God sent the storm. You got to remember that because God allows storms to come into our life. And many times we come to our wits end and we think, what, what are we going to do? And you might look at this passage and say, well, yeah, it's a storm, but it's, it's a very simple lesson here about what life is all about. You may be sailing along life and everything's going fine. It couldn't be any better for you. That's wonderful. And we praise the Lord. But let me tell you something about storms. You are either heading into a storm or you are in a storm or you're coming out of a storm. You might say, well, this doesn't apply to me, preacher. Don't get disappointed. It will. Okay, it will sooner or later. It will. So, you know, we hear we hear we see here God raising the storm up and these men begin to cry out to the Lord. The word of God tells us that they cried out to God in verse number 28. And what did God do? Well, first of all, let's notice the first point with me this morning, if you would. The situation that they were in. The situation that they were in. <clears throat> There's another storm that we can relate to this. Turn over to Acts chapter 27 with me, if you would. Acts chapter 27. And look there. Paul's on his way to Rome. He's in a ship and uh, they've docked and he tells the men, you better not leave this safe zone. Now, it wasn't a great place to spend the winter and this sort of thing. So the men decide they're going to uh, 
uh, go out and they're going to try and, and make it to a more commodious kind of place so that they could um, uh, uh, rest out the winter, you know, sit there for, and get through the winter time. Paul said, you better not do that. I wouldn't do that because if you do that, I sense that there's going to be a great loss of life and material and this sort of thing. I mean, you can read it there in Acts chapter 27. And so notice with me, if you would, in verse number 21. Well, let's, let's go back. Let's, let's go back here a little bit. Uh, but not long after, in verse number 14, but not long after there arose, uh, uh, there arose against it a, great, a tempestuous wind called Euryclidon. That's basically a hurricane. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Just let her go. You've got to see what's, what's going to happen. Now, they were there for 14 days in this storm, according to verse 27. 14 days being tossed about like a ping pong ball. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. That's not where you want to be. But that's where these men were. And notice what Paul says in verse 21. But after a long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. I'll be honest with you. I wish I had a dollar for every time I could look at a person and say, you should listen to me. You should listen to me. Learn to listen to the man of God because he's going to tell you what you need, what you need to know. Notice what he says. Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And then he says, notice he says, I want you to be of good cheer. But if you would, notice at verse number, uh, uh, oh, let's see, 25 here. Look at, look at verse number 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was. Now, these men were in a great strait at this point. They were in a storm that was tossing them to and fro. Look at verse number 20. And Paul stood up now. Paul stood up here. And he said, I want you to know something. God's spoken to me. We're going to get through it. But you better listen to me this time. Notice what it says in verse 20 of that text. And when neither sun nor stars in many days, 14 days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. All hope. Have you ever been Hopeless. I mean, without hope. I look around and, folks, please don't misunderstand me this morning. Where do we as Christians trust the Lord in difficult days? I mean, I sit back and I watch the news and I listen to the news and, folks, it's just amazing to me how people can get, Christians especially, so overly concerned. And I'm not diminishing what's going on, so please don't misunderstand that. Take precautions, be careful, all that. But trust in the Lord. Let me tell you, you're not going to die, and I'm not going to die, one minute before he calls me home. Not one minute, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to get into a wrestling match with somebody, okay? I'm not going to do that. 
but it does mean that I am not going to be filled and gripped with fear so that I can't go out to the store or I can't do this or I can't do that. I think trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's still in the book. So these people were without hope. In other words, they were at their wit's end. What are we going to do? We're going to die in this ship. Paul said, not if you listen to me, you won't. Now, if you bail ship, you're going to die. If you don't stay in this ship, you're going to die. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this. You just make sure you're in God's ship. Okay? You just make sure you're with the Lord. You know, sometimes... We come across hopeless situations or what we think are hopeless situations. Think with me for just a moment. Sometimes a doctor might look at you and say, you've got a terminal illness. You've got a terminal illness. That may or may not be true. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But how many times have doctors been wrong? And they've been right many times. But what I'm saying is if they... Back up. If the doctor looks at me one day, and he will, probably, unless I die of a heart attack, look at me and say, preacher, you've got a terminal illness. I'll tell you what it's not going to do. You can't scare me with heaven. Okay? You can't scare me with heaven. Just about 15 months ago, before I got wheeled into the operating room to have a quadruple bypass surgery. Me, a guy that eats healthy all the time. I mean, how much healthier would you want to eat than cheesesteaks with provolone cheese? Hoagies with hot peppers and sweet peppers. I mean, pizza with pepperoni. I mean, folks, you know how many vegetables I'm getting with all of that? Okay. I looked at him and I said, now, Doc, I want to tell you something. And he's looking down at me. Of course, I wasn't going anywhere. I said, let me tell you something. I said, if things don't go the way you plan for them to go, I said, don't be upset over it. I said, really, don't be upset over it. I said, I'll be with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my personal Savior. And if things do go the way you plan for them to go, that's good, too. I said, I'm in a win-win situation. He just looked at me. I said, I mean it, Doc. Folks, if we believe this book, then this book is true. And there's no sense in allowing our hearts and our minds to be gripped with fear every time we pick up a loaf of bread in, 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 in a grocery store or whatever have you. So, you know, let's think about some hopeless situations. Could be your health. It could be financial. It could be a legal problem. It could be marriage difficulties. It could be difficulties with your children. It could be a, a loss of a loved one. What are you to do? What are you to do when you think you're in a hopeless situation? Well, I hope you would do what I'm getting rec recommended to you before you get to that point. What do these men do that are with their ship being tossed around like a ping pong ball and this sort of thing? What are they doing? They finally come to the point where the Bible says, and they cried out to the Lord. Pray. Pray. 
that is the least activity of most Christians. Most Christians do not pray the way they ought to pray. Most Christians pray about five minutes a day. You might say, you, how, how do you know that? Because most preachers pray less than five minutes a day. You know what the Bible says? You have not because you ask not. Let's look at this here. What did they do when they came to their wit's end? They prayed. Let's look at some people that were at their wit's end. Notice what it says here in Exodus. Turn over to Exodus, please. Look at Exodus chapter 15. Moses has just led the children of Israel into the wilderness, three days into the wilderness. And you know what happened in the wilderness? There was no water. So that created a problem. They were concerned about not having any water. And so they were at their wit's end. Look at verses 23 through 25 with me, if you would, of Exodus 15. 23 through 25. And when they came to Marah, they're three days in the wilderness now. I've been to the Holy Lands where your pastor is right now. It gets hot over there. How many people were with Moses? There's not an accurate count. I'll be honest with you. I've always felt it was probably about a million to a million and a half people that left Egypt after their bondage and God delivered them. Now, I can't prove that by scripture. That's just, as I used to say, a riddellism. Okay. And when they came to Merah, they could not drink of the water of Merah. Why? Because they were bitter, for they were bitter. Million, million and a half people. That didn't include any animals they brought out. I mean, here is a major, major problem. Therefore, the name of the place is called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? I mean, they are really upset with Moses. What did Moses do? He was at his wit's end, just like those sailors were at their wit's end. What did they do when they were at their wit's end? They prayed. Notice what it says in verse 25, <clears throat> if you would. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Moses was at his wit's end. Can you imagine all those people being disgruntled and argumentative and thirsty and figuring they're going to die of thirst? And what do they do? Why do we follow this guy here? Because God said so, that's why. They were at their wit's end. What did they do when they were at their wit's end? They prayed. Look with me to uh, 1 Samuel. Look over in 1 Samuel, please. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. Notice what it says. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to see the story of Hannah very quickly. <clears throat> Hannah's at her wit's end. Why? Because Hannah wanted a child. Now, back in this time in the history of mankind, not to have a child was really somewhat disgraceful for a woman, for her not to have a child. Look at verse number five with me, if you would. But, Hannah, but unto Hannah he gave worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Look at verse six. And her adversary, who's that? Penina. She's mentioned back in verse number two. And her adversary provoked her. Penina had children. Hannah didn't. And provoked her uh, sore for, to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Look at verse number 10 with me, if you would. And she vowed a vow. Well, go back to, excuse me, verse number 10. And she was in bitterness of soul. Where was she? At her wit's end. 
She was in bitterness of soul. Have you ever been there? Been filled with so much angst and anxiousness? Have you ever been to the point where you just felt like giving up? That's where Hannah was. But notice what she did. And what she did is what every Christian ought to do every time and every day. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Look at verse number 19. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came unto the house to Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. And guess what? Verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. Because I have asked him of the Lord. Ask and ye shall receive. Folks, Moses was at his wit end, wit's end. What did he do? He prayed. Hannah was at her wit's end. What did she do? She prayed. Turn over to First Kings, or Second Kings with me, excuse me. Second Kings chapter 4. Here's a, another situation. Elisha's at his wit's end. Look at Second Kings chapter 4 with me if you would. <clears throat> and look at Second Kings 4 and verse number 32 and following. Gehazi's tried to raise this young boy, this Shunammite son, from the dead. The Shunammite son was a gift from God to this uh, dear lady who had taken care of Elisha and Gehazi on their many trips through the land and provided housing for them and food for them and this sort of thing. And uh, uh, Elisha looks at Gehazi one, uh, uh, one day and says, you know, what, what can we do for this woman? Gehazi says, she doesn't have a son. He calls her in and he said, now, about this time next year or so, you'll, you'll have a son. And she didn't, she didn't really believe him. But the son came. The son was born. But notice with me, if you would, in verses 32 and 33. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead. This young boy died. We don't know his age. He could have been, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. I have no idea. But notice. And when Elisha came into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them, upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. Elisha did not have an answer for this woman except God. Except God. Elisha was at his wit's end. What did he do? He prayed. What did God do? If you read the rest of it, God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. You have Moses with a million to a million and a half people disgruntled and upset with him. You have Hannah wanting to have a child. And God answered her prayer. And you have this Shunammite woman whose son was a gift from God to her. And uh, he, uh, he dies on her. I, you know, I think he sort of had a, like a stroke, that sort of thing from what I've read in Scripture. <clears throat> and Elisha raises her from the dead. Why? Because he prayed. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 30. What I'm saying is, turn to Isaiah chapter 37. What I'm saying to you is God answers prayer. Period. God answers prayer. So notice in Isaiah chapter 37 with me, if you would, Hezekiah. Hezekiah's got a problem. Why? Because Sennacherib has sent him a letter and said, uh, get ready to die. We're going to come and take over. The Assyrians were. And uh, uh, Hezekiah was beside himself. He was at his wit's end. What can I do? I, because the uh, Sennacherib had really gone through the land like Sherman went through Atlanta. I don't know that that was a good illustration at that point, but nonetheless, you get the point. Went through quickly. Right. Okay, folks, hang with me now. I, 
I throw these things out, and you've got to pick them up and take them, all right? Okay? Look with me in, uh, in uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 37, please, and look at verses 14 and 15. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, that's from the hands of messengers of Sennacherib, and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord delivered Hezekiah and the people. What I'm saying to you is this. God answers prayer. I like what our president said when he said we need to pray as a nation. I wish our nation just wouldn't always go to God when there's an emergency. I wish it would become a way of life for our nation. And I know in this crowd, it is a way of life. But what I'm saying is I would like to see it across our nation that we would call upon the Lord. So what, when you're at your wit's end, what are you to do? Well, you can go see a psychologist, a psychiatrist. You can go see your family doctor. You can go see whoever and get all the advice you want. I would recommend that you go to Dr. Jesus. That's who I'd recommend you go to. Lay it before the Lord. Hezekiah laid that letter before the Lord. Just laid it out there. He knew the Lord could read. He laid it out there. He said, there it is. Now, what are we going to do about it? God delivered him and the people. Turn over to Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts chapter 9. Folks, what I'm saying to you is this. We don't have to live anxious lives. We really don't. We can trust the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 9. Oh, let's go to verse number 36, if you would. There's a dear lady here, Tabitha or Dorcas. She was called either Tabitha or Dorcas, and she has died. Look at verse 36 and 37. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpreting is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. She was a godly woman. She walked with the Lord. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, after they prepared the body, basically, they laid her in the upper chamber. Now, notice with me, if you would, verse number four. But Peter put them all forth. Peter put them all forth. They, all, they were coming to Peter. Oh, Peter, Dorcas has died. She was beloved in the Christian community. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And when you read the rest of the text, guess what? Dorcas comes back to life. Folks, what God did for Moses... What God did for Hannah, what God did for Hezekiah, for Hezekiah, what God did for Elisha, what God did for Dorcas or Tabitha. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Amen. We have not because we ask not. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to uh, Acts chapter 12. Look there with me, if you would. Acts chapter 12. And all. Oh, let's look at uh, verse number 5. Notice here with me, verse number five. Here's the Christian community coming together. Why? Because Peter's in jail. Why is he in jail? Well, he's been taken. He's, go he's going to be beheaded unless God does something. James has already been beheaded according to the first few verses there. But look at verse five. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And guess what? God caused an earthquake, shook the foundation of the prison, and the doors unlocked. And he walked out. What I'm simply saying is the most unused resource, the most unused 
power, uh, the strength of power that we have is prayer. And many times Christians pray so little. And then when we don't see the answer to prayer, we get somewhat discouraged. We need to pray through till God answers the prayer. If you're at your wit's end, I don't care what the circumstances is, pray. As he did for Moses, he will answer your prayer. As he did for Hannah, he will answer your prayer. As he did for Elisha, he will answer your prayer. As he did for Hezekiah, he will answer your prayer. As he did for the believers in Joppa, he will answer your prayer. As he did for the early Christians in the Christian community, he will answer their prayer and he will answer your prayer. Look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We, so many times we rely on the arm of the flesh when God wants us to rely on him. Look with me in Acts chapter 16, please. <clears throat> and notice verses 24 and following. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And guess what? Paul and Silas were delivered from prison. Why? Because they were at their wits end and they prayed. Folks, whatever the circumstances, whatever the difficulties are, whatever the heartaches are, whatever you think is impossible, the only thing that limits God is us. It's us. Because we simply refuse to believe that God will do it. And what I'm saying to you is, as he answered the prayer of Moses, Amen. he will answer your prayer. As he answered the prayer of Hannah, he will answer your prayer. As he answered the prayer of Elisha, he will answer your prayer. As he answered the prayer of Hezekiah, he will answer your prayer. As he answered the believers in Joppa, he will answer your prayer. As he answered the prayers of the early church, he will answer your prayer. As he answered the prayer of Paul and Silas, he will answer your prayer. Are you at your wit's end? Is there something going on in your life or in the dynamics of your family where you just don't see any hope at all? Can I just remind you of something? Turn with me to Psalm 50. Look at Psalm 50 with me, if you would. Psalm 50 and look at verse number 15. Psalm 50 and verse number 15. Notice what the word of God has to say there. And call upon me in the day of trouble. And maybe I'll help you. Because that's what we think. Let's just get honest. That's what we think many times. Well, maybe God will do this. The only thing that limits God is you and me. That's all. Notice what he says. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Don't be afraid to trust the Lord. For whatever the... Some of you may be <clears throat> with all this difficulty going on right now, you may be facing some income loss. Can I say something to you? 
Well, even if you don't give me my permission, I'm still going to say it. (laughs) Don't quit giving to the work of God. Don't quit giving to the work of God. You keep on giving, keep on trusting, keep on praying. And I will deliver thee, he says. Turn over to Psalm 107. I'm going to bring this to a conclusion. Notice the deliverance they experienced. Notice the deliverance they experienced. Look at verse number 28 with me, if you would. Then, in Psalm 107, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. That goes in concert with Psalm 50, as I recall that we just read. What did God do for them? Well, look at verse number 29. He maketh the storm calm. He calmed the storm. Can I remind you who brought the storm up? God brought the storm up. You read it there. He brought it up. Sometimes God brings storms in our life to get us on our knees. God wants us to come to him in prayer. God wants us to exalt his precious name. God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah 33.3, my life's verse. And beloved, we either believe the book or we don't. There's no middle ground. We either believe it or we don't. God calmed the storm. God brought the storm up. Those men were at their wit's end. The scriptures tell us that. They were ready to give up. But thank God they cried out to God. And the first thing he does, he calms the storm. Calms the storm. God can calm your storm. Anytime he gets ready to calm it, he can calm the storm. Look with me if you would. Verse 29. He maketh the storm calm so that the waves thereof are still. You know what happened? It was like a tabletop. Just like a tabletop. Everything settled down. And then notice with me, if you would, what it says. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired heaven. Haven. They were glad. Things were settled down. And then the Bible says he brought them to their desired haven, to where they were going to go. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I believe that's a woman as well. Let him order your steps, folks. Don't be afraid of the will of God. Don't be gripped by the Fear that men may try to instill in you. Just don't allow it to happen. Refuse it to happen. I'm going to give you one more verse. Look at Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. And I'm going to close with this. And look at verse number three. Isaiah 26 and verse number three. 
Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Not on Fox News. Not on our local news. Not on any major news channel. Not in any newspaper. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Folks, the last time I looked into this book, which was early this morning and during this hour, he, he is still in control. He hasn't abdicated the throne. He hasn't sent in a letter of resignation. He hasn't said, this is too great for me. I can't handle this. He's still on his throne. And notice what it says. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is set on thee, why? Because he trusteth in thee. He trusteth in thee. Folks, we either... Can I just tell you something? Christ does more than just save the soul from hell. Christ gives us a complete and total life of perfect peace. Why? Because we keep this on that That's why. Don't let the news shake you. Don't do foolish things. You know, listen to your doctors, all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if the doctor looks at you and says, you know what? You've got this, this, and this, and you've just got a short time to get your house in order. Then you can look at the doctor and say, doc, I'm going to heaven. Now, where are you going to go? You might say, you would say that? I'd say it in a heartbeat. I said it to my heart doctor, not quite that way, but I said it. What I'm saying to you is that if we trust him, trust him. Let's stand. Now, Father, these are dear and precious people. I've enjoyed sharing the word of God with them. I pray, Lord, that we might realize we don't have to get all the way to our wits end to pray. We can pray long before that, and we would do well to do so. And, Lord, we don't have to be gripped with fear and apprehension and angst every time a news broadcast comes on television with something negative. But perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee.